Hello and welcome to Toys Takes, this is your host Toy speaking and on this podcast we talk about photography and art and art and photography. Now if you feel that you have any questions or queries or anything that you can add to the conversation please feel free to drop me a message on Instagram. So I feel that we have a lot to cover here so I, f- I just felt that I think it would be best to go through sort of the history of art in photography and for a long time photography wasn't considered an art form, it was a it was just considered a mechanical tool for the rich and the the hobbyists, the rich hobbyists, obviously, to use. It was simply, it could only simply document something. It There was nothing humanistic about it. It was just a simple mechanism of pressing a button and you got an image on a piece of glass or whatever they felt they could print the picture on, which was mainly glass. Now... A few key photographers such as Edward Steichen, Albert Steiglitz, uh, Henry Peach Robinson, a lot of others felt that this wasn't the case. They felt that photography was more than what the art world deemed it to be, and they were right. So Alfred uh, Steiglitz and Edward Steichen, they formed the Munich Secession, which basically was the start of pictorialism. Now, I don't believe it ever really got to where it it aspired to be. It was always sort of a bleak imitation of traditional art. Now, this is sort of what led to to its death in the 1940s-ish. There was still kind of dying remnants of it in the 1940s. Now, it set out, when it set out, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And it worked. It showed the world, the the consumer world and the art world alike, that photography was more than the sum of its equal parts. It could be something that is mechanical but artistic, non-human and human, if you want to say that. There came a few stereotypes, such as black and white was the only middleman for the medium that could really be classed as art. Now, there was colour photography such as uh, tint in the glass but it was only ever green there was a few coloring techniques but they were just kind of unaccessible inaccessible pardon me for the better for the better part and photographers just didn't think it was um worth that time and the money but in the turn of the century about just 1910 the first 35 millimeter camera came to light and this sort of revolutionized photography. It it became compact, it became fast, it became uh, abundant because you had, back in the day, you'd be using an 8x10 camera or a 4x5 and you only get one slide or or one sheet, a couple of sheets maybe. But with 35mm film, there's 36 exposures on that. So that's 36 shots to make with whatever you want. And with that became with that documentary photography became a lot more prominent, especially in the 1930s and 40s when you had photographers such as Robert Kappa who covered wars. You had Henry Cartier-Bresson. You had W. Eugene Smith. You had these greats of photography who predominantly only shot 35mm black and white. Now... Black and white, it really, really shone 
in that day, it was the golden age of photography and especially black and white photography. There was images made that have stood the test of time. They've been printed, reprinted, archived. They sold for millions or hundreds of thousands. They have sold, they have sold and they are legitimate treasures. I know it sounds cliche, but it is true. And color was never really a part of that. Color was available a lot more in the 35 millimeter aspect. It was really only, it was only really made for uh, Leica and contacts cameras because it had a, a color stripe filter or something along the lines of that. I'm not actually too sure. But even so, even though it was available, no one really took the time to really test it out or, you know, see if it was worth its salt until 35 when Eastman Kodak made the Kodachrome uh, films, uh, film stock. Now, I don't believe anyone knew how big Kodachrome would get. It was on 8mm, 16mm, 35mm. It was used in everything. It was used in film, photography, anything. Well, only, only the really two mediums there, but it was used due to its heavy saturation of colours and it really, really went well with the time period it came out in, in the time period where you had big, especially in like, let's say New York, where you had big high rise buildings and you had big bright yellow taxis, big red neon signs and everything just kind of meshed together perfectly. It could render skin tones very well. Even the famous photographer Stephen McQueen said that it was some of the best color rendering he's ever seen in a film stock and he's never been able to get the same results. And even though Kodachrome was extremely popular with everyone, it just wasn't recognized like black and white was. Black and white was the be-all, end-all. If you wanted to be a fine art photographer, uh, a, con a conceptual photographer, it was black and white. Black and white was really the only way around it. And this was the case, unfortunately. Um, there is amazing there was amazing color photographers back then and there still is today but the two i want to talk about were two americans by the name of saul Leiter, who is from new york i believe and william eggleston who was from memphis texas and he used to roam the streets there now saul Leiter, um kind of being the sort of hybrid of the two made beautiful black and white images and beautiful color images but his color images really really stand out the most he made beautiful images of the city, um, especially in New York with the yellow taxi cabs and the blue sky and the grey pavement. Everything just meshed together in his pictures and he was, a he was a master of composition. He was an absolute master. He could draw your eyes into anything. And that was really the kind of catalyst for colour photography in my eyes. I like. I believe that Saul Leiter is the best color photographer to ever have lived. Now, William Eggleston, who actually is donned the father of color photography, he did start it. He did, well, not necessarily started it, but he really, really brought it into the spotlight. He used color photography basically always. He, I don't think, well, obviously he did shoot black and white for a time, I imagine, but you look up William Eggleston and, you wouldn't see many black and white pictures. He made these beautiful Kodachrome slide film images that were just true to colour. 
if the sky was golden, it would be golden. If it was red, it was red. If it was green, it would be green. The connection I'm trying to make between these two photographers is that they both just took images of everyday life, a man passing on the street, uh, a tricycle in the middle of a garden, um, a, a man in a restaurant just eating soup. And they made them in a way that is poetic and artistic. And the better thing is that it was in colour in a time where colour just wasn't the norm. And they were trendsetters themselves and they just didn't really care about what anyone else thought. Now, Saul Lauder was a lover of black and white. He said it himself. He said that he started out on black and white and if he could, he'd end on black and white. But he was in this golden era of black and white and even colour. Colour uh, images made back then are just not the same as they are now. They, there was a richness, a texture to them that you just don't see in modern day images anymore i mean i guess you could if you if you looked hard enough but they photographed images of everyday life and everyday people but they made them into something more something otherworldly but it's not surrealism there's nothing surreal about it it's just a picture of a man on a pavement or a black man standing with a white man which was pretty surreal in memphis texas back then but it was beautiful and ever since then, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, black and white has sort of, for lack of a better word, decline. Now, I don't mean decline where it kind of just creeped into the corner and died out. Now, black and white was still extremely popular and it still is today. But color photography was getting exceedingly exce and exceedingly more popular with each photographer. Now such as Joel Meyerowitz, who went on the street in the 70s and 80s of New York and just documented everything he saw on his lunch break. He just made these extremely messy uh, compositions of random people, a woman eating an ice cream, anything, anything to do with that. That's what he was really, really interested in. And it just kept growing higher and higher. And New York was the kind of ground zero for this because you had so many vibrant colors, so many interesting people, so many clashing colors, yellow on red, black on white. And they just came out perfectly. They rendered perfectly, as I've just said before on this. And black and white, in my own opinion now, I believe kind of started going on a decline after the golden age of journalism, for uh, photojournalism is what I mean. Um, after there was no more wars to document and, um, you know, and then social documentary did take a rise to that, which is great. And street photography uh, was also amazing in black and white, but in color, it was another form of documentation. It's just, it's the truth. It was a, a completely brand new form of documentation. People enjoyed it because it was essentially truer to life. Kodachrome did try its best to render colours as as the eye sees it and that's why people enjoyed it because it wasn't too blown out, it wasn't too washed in. It was just right. It just rendered colour perfectly. Now, colour photography really, really, really started to shake the art world when it was being introduced into social documentary and documentary photography. Now, black and white and colour, I guess you could stay, still say that they're, you know, 
head uh, toe to toe with each other. I don't believe that's the case. I believe they're completely two different entities telling the same story. Um, but they they continue to kind of battle with each other um, until like maybe the nine around the nineteen ninety mark to two thousand mark, where digital photography became a lot more prominent. And film photography was sidelined as like this kind of like niche market for, um, for you know hobbyists, for film hobbyists and for purists. Now, a digital body was completely inexpensive. It was mainly made of plastic. Um, they could shoot monochrome and color film, um, which a lot of professional photographers did sort of, you know, turn to. But the the originals, such as like Meyerowitz and Leiter and um, Eggleston, they shot color film and they shot black and white film exclusively just for that look because black and white film and color film gives you a nostalgic feeling where it could not be emanated on a digital camera. A digital camera can shoot black and white, but it doesn't shoot that black and white. It doesn't shoot the moment, uh, people would say, I would say. Now... Personally, I have a preference with black and white. Um, it's what I shoot mainly. And color film is something that is foreign to me. I've always wanted to try shoot it. I've never been able to get my hand, I've never been able to get my, my head around it. The way I see it is I see in color every day. Why do I need to shoot in color? And you know, I guess in a sense it makes it easier for me to shoot black and white because I don't have to think about a lot of colors. I only have to think about black and white. How do I want the shadows? How do I want the highlights? And I think a lot of people thought the same way back in the back in its heyday. Uh, I hope they did. Now, once again, I am simplifying it because it is it is a kind of strange subject for me to tackle because I love everything to do with photography and color is a part of photography but for some reason i could never get around to shooting it proper now my opinion on black and white in a color world i think black and white is still as prominent as it's ever been um even though i did say it's in decline that is the actual statistical fact people did start shooting more color film i don't think that black and white has ever really been in decline. I think people switched over to a different type, which is absolutely fine. Things like that happen. Change is inevitable. You have to move along with it. But for some reason, people just couldn't get their head around that back in the day. Um, because, you know, no one really likes change. It's only when change is forced upon you when is when it really, really, you know, just starts to, you know, move with the tide. But, I don't believe that black and white is fading. I personally, I believe that the film industry is failing. I think that it's become such a niche market for hobbyists and professionals alike that the the, type, the likes of Kodak and Ilford and really they're the only main two competitors. They are upping their prices substantially all the time. Now, I don't know if that's their end game. I believe it is because people nowadays are buying expired film um, and therefore driving the prices up. 
films are getting discontinued every day and I just don't believe that film can stay how it is if it keeps doing that. But realistically, digital film is a no-go for a lot of people. Digital, digital cameras nowadays now have filters to emulate film looks, which is completely shocking to me because I believe, once again, that digital and film are completely different entities. They are different things telling the same story. And to make one emulate the other is going back to pictorialism emanating traditional art. Like, if that keeps happening, photography will stagnate and it will go bad, in my opinion. Because if, you, if you're trying to rehash the past, you can never really look to the future. But that's just my opinion. And I don't believe that black and white and color are natural enemies. I think that they are just two different things. Um, I do believe that sometimes color nowadays is does hold the monopoly on the art world because it's so prominently used in magazines and online and social media. And, you know, sometimes as a black and white shooter, I have to say it does kind of feel unfair. Um, but that's just how the art world is. Sometimes it prefers one thing over another. I don't believe that it's a trend. I believe there's real photographers out there who are trying to make art and their preferred the preferred film stock is Kodak Portrait or uh, Fuji Superior or whatever they want, whatever they want to use. I don't know, but um, you know, this isn't a grudge match. I've never believed that. I've always believed that it's it's just two you know two sides of the same coin. Um, I've seen surrealist art done with color. I've seen documentary done with color. I've seen both. I've seen both of them done with black and white as well. So how can you believe that they're enemies? Do you know what I mean? It's it's completely alien to me. I don't know. Um, that being said, I don't shoot a lot of color. And, you know, as I've said, in, as I've said before, I'm probably repeating myself now, but I don't shoot a lot of color. And I can't really get into shooting a lot of color. I don't know why. But so I guess what I'm trying to say without getting too preachy is that it's the message and the story what matters, not the medium. If you want to shoot on black and white and co or color or both, do that because at the end of the day, you picked up the easel, you picked up the paintbrush, you picked up the uh, camera for you. You didn't do it for the gratification of others. And so, you know, just do what you feel that you need to do because at the end of the day, you know, all you have is you and your art. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just my opinion. And please feel free to challenge me on it. Um, I'd love to hear back from people if you felt that this um, if you felt that this uh, podcast resonated with you and if it did please feel free to contact me on Instagram and um, you know this has been Ty's Take uh, I've been your host Terrell and I look forward to seeing you again uh, thanks very much